Hello everyone, this is Coffee Chug and I am here with another podcast episode. I'm really excited to bring this to you, um, kind of a branch off of the Living on the Edge of Podcast series, this time looking more at project-based learning and trying to help other teachers learn and hear from other teachers um, because I think it's very, very important as we go through this journey of education and in being lifelong learners that we continue to, to collaborate and pick the brains of everyone going through the same process. And so the first guest that I have today is a teacher in our building, Stephanie Cleveland. And one of the things that we're trying to establish is getting teachers the confidence to come on to the show, share their story, share their learning journey, and hopefully... It seeks some collaboration, enhances and increases the personal learning networks of educators, and more importantly, maybe we can learn something from one another. And so I appreciate Stephanie Cleveland taking the time to be the first guest on this. I know it's always a little nerve-wracking to be the first, um, but through this episode, I think you really walk away um, with the reality of what it takes to go and develop a high-quality project. And see that project-based learning takes a lot of work, but it's so worth the effort. So, without further ado, I'd like to introduce the first episode in our project-based learning series, talking with Stephanie Cleveland, in which we're going to be discussing how she took a project from the seed of planning an idea, developing it into a lesson, into a unit, and ending with the final product, and all the good things that come in between. I hope you enjoy Feel free to reach out to us, leave us any questions, feedback, concern, thoughts, and if there's any resources or anything that you need, feel free to contact me, Coffee Chug, at Coffee Chug Books, or you can contact, connect with me on my website, and in the show notes, I'll have information so you can link up with Stephanie Cleveland. All right, enough of my banter, let's get right to the show. Hello, everyone. This is Coffee Chug. All right, hello everyone. This is Coffee Chug uh, once again. Uh, another episode of Living on the Edge of Chaos. Um, in this case, we've done things in the past with students um, and talking about innovation ideas. And for this particular one, we're going to focus on project-based learning. And one of the things that we want to capture with project-based learning is the whole kind of overview process of creating a project from start to finish. And today we have uh, one of the um, great teachers that we have here at Bettendorf Middle School um, who is willing to give up some of her time to talk about one of her projects just to share um, her journey um, as she's mm-hmm. jumped into project-based learning um, kind of with both feet and just dived right in. So um, we'll go ahead and let her introduce herself, and then we're going to talk a little bit today about how to – get going on a project from start to finish based on on one of her experiences. So why don't you uh, go ahead here, Stephanie, and let everybody know who you are and uh, what you do. Good morning. I am Stephanie Cleveland, and I teach eighth grade language arts here at Bettendorf Middle, and this is my 14th school year of kids. Awesome. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, taking time to um, do this podcast today. Why don't we go and start a little bit, and why don't you give us just uh, kind of a – a quick overview of the project that 
we'll kind of be talking about here today. Okay. Well, you mentioned um, kind of jumping in feet first, and that's kind of how I operate. I've really like dove in blindly to project-based learning, not blindly with training, but um, I'm kind of a game for anything person. And I love um, project-based learning. I love the philosophy and I love um, the opportunities it provides for kids. So um, I'm on my third project this year. Um, and constantly looking and thinking and reflecting on what else I could do. But um, I think today I'll start with my first project because I think it was the most difficult in the process of it, and I really struggled um, in the very beginning with, you know, what the heck do I do and where do I start and where do I go? And um, a lot of that, I think, is where people are struggling right now with where does it come from, where can I even get an idea, and once I have an idea, where where can it go, and what should I do after that? So um, I thought I'd share today kind of the one I'm that everybody maybe knows about already is the Fear Factor Project. So um, that'll be the one I talk, and it's just in my classroom, so it's not um, uh, interdisciplinary with team members. It was just a solo project in my language arts classroom with my eighth graders. So awesome. Um, I think you raise a, bring up a couple really good valid points. I think a lot of teachers who are just starting out struggle to come up with that idea, um, or we have the flip side where people have ideas but they're just not quite sure how to see it through all the way mm-hmm. to the end. Um, and so through your fear project, a lot of people at Bendorf Middle are aware of it because we had it on display on exhibition and there was a lot of talk among the students. Um, but for those that are listening that didn't obviously come to our exhibition, um, due to location or, or other reasons. Why don't we talk a little bit about what generated the idea for the, the Fear Factor project um, and then some of the initial planning stages before you actually got to the, the nitty-gritty details of the project. Okay. I was at a PBL workshop hosted by the Grantwood AEA last summer um, with a few teachers here from middle school in our administration. And um, it was just kind of, again, the whole essential components of PBL, reviewing it. We had gone to high tech high, but I wanted kind of that refresher course and more just digging into it a little bit and having you know, people from outside of the district and local schools that have been doing it or wanting to do project-based learning to there and having that support. And one of the things they tasked us with was to develop a project or at least the starts of a project. And um, kind of their beginning was what we've done here is what is your passion? What do you, what do you love? What are you excited about? And that hands down stumped me more than anything. I sat in that room in June and in my hotel room that night and I have my, you know, I have notebooks, my big idea or mediocre idea notebooks. I kind of laugh at my one. It's mediocre, some of them. But I sat there and I beat myself up because first of all, asking what I'm passionate about other than teaching and being a mom and, you know, I love to read, I love to shop, I love to travel. How does that, any of that become a project? And so I just really struggled with first of all, what am I even passionate about anymore? And how can I, would it be like a valid thing to bring into my classroom? I think we question that. Like, is it rigorous and relevant? And is it content worthy and academic? And are our kids going to get anything? So I was stumped completely. And I went around and around and struggled and questioned myself for hours while we were in Cedar Rapids. And, um, it got me thinking at one point where there was a conversation about movies we had seen. Um, and I had, just recently seen The Purge, the movie The Purge, which I liked and I think has a lot of really interesting um, topics in that movie 
debatable in issues. But we were talking about that movie. We'd gone to see this movie and how it really sparked conversation. And the day after the movie, um, I read an article that talked about if Hollywood wants to stay relevant and make make money off movies, horror is where it's at. Scary movies. People love scary movies. And I've always loved scary movies and supernatural stuff and just the whole idea of fear and why why do we like being afraid of if that's where the money's at and that's where movies are going you know why is that and that really got me thinking about well maybe that's a possible project because being a middle school teacher and relating to 14 year olds all these years and kind of being one myself (laughs) um they like that stuff too they talk about movies they go see and and things they rent and books and you know zombies and apocalyptic dystopian all of that stuff is so interesting to them for many reasons and it's interesting to me and I thought why can't that be somewhere I go with a project and then I did the back and forth oh my gosh that's not that's not good enough that's not education worthy I'm going to be laughed at that's you know putting scary stuff what can I do with fear and and why we like fear so much into a project and that's just going to be shot down and that's kind of where I started that right. was the beginnings of the the idea. Cool. And I think you raise a, a couple of things there uh, that's interesting. One, to go back to your – when you're talking about passion, um, one of the things that I found is I think we all have our passions. I think but when we ask that among teachers, I think sometimes we get stuck just like our students do. We think there's a right answer um, where – when I know at the beginning of the year when we explored that as, as a staff, and I also know just in conversations mm-hmm. I have um, with teachers, whether it's here or online, is what are your passions? And we always tend to think that they don't connect to education. Absolutely. Almost like, like we're waiting for that, that what is the, the answer that, that will fit education. And we Absolutely. forget that our own passions, we can infuse it. It may not mm-hmm. necessarily be the direct project, but it can be part of the, the atmosphere of our classroom and um, you know, the very same things that, that we're trying to push our kids to do, I think sometimes we stumble ourselves. And so um, it's a very interesting idea um, that you bring up, and I think it's, it's, that is a constant struggle for not only kids but for teachers as well and or just adults in general is what is your passion mm-hmm. and to, you know, I think some of that maybe lends itself to the fear project. <laughs> There's that fear of acknowledging yes. what is it, you yeah. know. Um, so you had this idea planted um, and – you finally got to that point where it sparked and that, that connection piece with the zombies and the dystopia, which I agree is very highly um, engaging for students mm-hmm. and just people in general. Yeah. Um, so you had the idea. So then what was your next step? How did you go once you decided, okay, this is something I can work with? What was your thought process or your system to start to develop that from the idea, planting that seed into an actual project? Um, gosh, good questions. Um, well, I knew I didn't. It, it, it evolved, it started in one direction and completely went to another direction based on like just conversations with um, other educators. And um, my, I think my biggest helpers were um, our own principals here. Lisa Reed and Jamie Olson sat with me. Both of them sat with me out in Cedar Rapids and helped me kind of um, form where I was going. So having a conversation with somebody is so helpful. And that's one thing I love about tunings. And I think a tuning in the beginning and a tuning at the end. And I think Tunings are wonderful. I'm um, just getting that the input from people, but I didn't. I wanted it to be worthy. I didn't want it to be laughable, and I didn't want it to be like a zombie project or a ghost. Oh, that teacher! What is she teaching? What right. are they even doing in that classroom? Um, so 
I it started one direction we were going was kind of this route of like, you know, tourism and the whole the ghost the ghost tour industry is pretty booming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we thought, you know, is there like something we could do community wise? Is there something the kids could research, develop, maybe even like apps and look at local quad cities to bring in that community? Is there like haunted, quote unquote, haunted places here? And, you know, why is that kind of a, a a, a valid tourism thing right now people going on these ghost tours and things like that and and for some reason we had a lot of um issues with like essential questions and what's what are you gonna what's what's going to be the point of that and kind of where i would go within language arts and keeping in mind literacy and the language arts content standards and so it kind of shifted multiple times and again a lot of that was i didn't want to be oh this is the ghost hunting class because that's silly a right, little. I mean, right, it is. It's silly. Right. And, you know, how all these big ideas like, oh, we could, you know, I had a local paranormal society that was willing to come in and chat with kids. And I'm like, I, you know, considering, you know, parents, I'm a parent too, <laughs> right. sending my kid off to school. I don't want to think I'm sending them off to crazy, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Like, what is with that teacher? What are they doing in there? Um, so it had to merge from that. And I knew um, I wanted there to be, you know, reading and the kids, they love they love fiction that's related to that kind of theme. So I knew I could easily bring in high interest reading with that. And I love guided reading. So um, I knew I wanted, you know, it was just a lot of brainstorming and things I wanted to make sure the kids were getting that could fit under this theme of, and the essential question is, is how, how does fear motivate us? How does fear drive us Um, in all sorts of aspects of life and industry and, you know, bringing in things like politics and healthcare and, and movies and entertainment and fear does fear does sell and so I want it to be open to that but also you know academic and bring I wanted reading fiction and nonfiction I'm um, bringing in guided reading which I love I wanted to do things with advertising and looking at fear appeal um, and propaganda and public service announcements right. and there's so many things I wanted to bring in so having kind of that big question of how fear motivates allowed me to make sure I could have all of that stuff versus if I just went tourism and ghost hunting, I was limiting myself and then labeling myself. It's the ghost hunting class. So, um, and again, a lot of that was just talking to educators and ideas that they had and, um, the kind of the birth of the fear factor came and the zombie thing, you know, the books are zombie themed. They're high interest books. Um, and you know that that was a high interest launch right. to actual zombies, which we'll probably get to. So, yeah. So you you have this this question that I think that anybody is intrigued to answer, whether they're in education or not. So, and you mentioned that it's it's so big. You try to pull in all these things. How do you decide um, where to funnel that? Which is a good Ugh. problem to have. Whether you're too narrow, then it's, sometimes it's hard to figure out how to how to open that up. And, mm-hmm. and you have a question here that lends itself to kids kind of creating their own path. So, yes. Um, so as as you thought about that, you mentioned guided reading. Uh, before we get into maybe let's we'll take one step back. I'd like to have you share out kind of the books and stuff that you use because mm-hmm. I think sometimes that helps people um, with teachers. We like lists and we like resources. That's our that, that's our favorite yes. things that we like. But before we get to that, I think um, let's take a look at and talk about your launch. And so I know the launch was um, a big success and. Uh, <laughs> um, you're known for your launches here. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> so what 
what was your launch to get that going to to get kids thinking about that fear piece? Um, we, we'll talk about that, and then we'll get into kind of the the guided reading resource piece, and then we'll merge into a little bit here of of how you kind of wrapped it all up with with, with that final project. Okay. Um, oh my gosh, my like ADD is going nuts here. Um, you mentioned a lot of things. I was taking notes. Um, so with the essential question, what, how does fear drive us? Um, I wanted to be sure, again, to stay away from this as like the ghost class or the zombie class. And keep in mind that, you know, fear is different for a lot of people. Um, some people like the scary movie thing. Some people don't. For some people, fear is just what makes you uncomfortable. It could be phobias. So um, it was super open-ended, which can be scary. And I'm a big idea person. And to me, a project can grow out of control if I let it because there's so many possibilities Um, but keeping the standard question how fear drives us then we could really bring in a ton of different things that weren't just you know labeled to one direction like the ghost thing so for the launch you know I believe in the hook and they get the kids excited about a project and I I honestly like tricking them a little bit so um, I knew I wanted to raise their level of awareness a little bit but not scare anybody um and so um, I knew I wanted zombies. And I had students last year, a student in particular, Riley Tidrick, hello, who's great with special effect makeup. Um, and she has a whole Instagram feed where she puts the work she does. And I thought, you know, what if I got students? Um, and a lot of that was inspired by that that school in, was it London, somewhere in Europe, where the parents oh, um, yeah. did the UFO yeah. hoax, yeah. Right. where the UFO, right. and you told me about <laughs> yeah. that, and I yeah. think that's something, you know, branching off here, where ideas come from, yep. read, and right. be curious, and check the news, and ideas come from anywhere, you just right. have to be curious, and always, always on the lookout for stuff, so you told yeah. me about that, that's and right. then I read it, and I thought, oh, the UFO thing was so cool, and the kids were hooked on that launch, Yeah. Um, and so interested in what they were going to do in that school. And can I do zombies? So um, I plotted with, um, especially um, the science teacher on my team, Mr. Hernandez, was a huge support with helping me plot some ideas. But I knew I wanted zombies, and I had a special effects person. She's great. Riley's super talented. Um, I got permission to see if I could have some high schoolers come down with their schedule difference. They had, you know, a chunk of time in the morning. They could be here and not really impact their school day. And they were game. Um, our students in Bettendorf are amazing. Um, so I wanted to trick them. And I thought, Without scaring them, that was an issue we had talking with administration and making sure I was careful. I didn't want anybody panicked. Right. We didn't want anything that would, you know, you've got to be careful. Right, right. How do I hook and be interesting and, you know, really get them into it, but also not have, you know, absolute terror. Right, right. And so thinking about the kids that might be extra concerned, we kind of looked at letting them know ahead of time or having them come down and like say, we need your help with this. Here's what's going to happen. And we really only came up with one student we thought would be maybe really right. worried about it. Um, so the entire team of teachers in the house was in on it. And the, the deal was just bring your kids down to the cafeteria where we have space. And we're just going to tell them one of our teachers is receiving an award. And all oh, the prep, you know, they, they tell you that at high tech high. The prep for a project is where all of the work is. Right. It's so much work in the beginning. And then once you're in it and it is alive and moving and the kids are doing that the, right. the weight is off of your shoulders. Yeah. And that is, I think, you're just there and you're working with them and supporting them. And it's the prep in the beginning is worth it. It's right. stressful and it's hard. And if you want to make it 
good, you've got to put in hours and lose sleep. And But then again, once you're in it, it's like the work has shifted. Exactly. And it's, and it's amazing. So we did a lot of prep. I recorded, pre-recorded some Good Morning America segment, nice and long. And then I found a thing online where it was a test of the emergency broadcast system. And, and we played with that. And it was an environmental or biological thing. And it was vague. And it, we had that cut in. So the kids, most the ones that didn't catch on, believed that they were watching a live news segment right. that was then interrupted by this test and this is an emergency thing, and there's a biological whatever, and we had our dean of students willing to come in, our um, our police officer, Officer Bennett, willing to come in and just do like a quietly check the windows, you know, just little things to get the kids a little bit uncomfortable in what's going on while this alert's blaring, and just everybody like what's happening, and you know, it didn't, it wasn't 100% flawless. There was a lot of stuff. Some kids noticed it was pre-recorded. Um, some kids you know, notice that some teachers weren't moving. And if it were scary, why weren't people moving? Um, so, it's, you know, we have sharp kids. They're right. bright kids. And, yeah. you know, kids in 2014 are a little bit harder to scare yeah. <laughs> than yeah. maybe when we were kids. But um, then we had our five high school zombies in full makeup come in and amble around a little bit. And then they, you know, made it on up, stumbled on up to the front. And we had a huge semi-paint red bloody banner that had made it to the dumpster too the things that go wrong um it was accidentally thrown away and we had a dumpster dive to get it out that morning um unroll the banner that said welcome to the fear factor and then i introduced the driving question and kind of what what the whole point was and the kids the feedback was tremendous they still talk about it they wrote about it in their reflection papers the launch you know it stuck with them so i don't I would say for sure the power of a launch is yeah. super important. And I think the key there, I think, is just to get uh, students thinking, whether either they're, they're, they're completely hooked in, whether they, they think there really was, in your case, um, a <laughs> biological tear, or even if they catch on that it's pre-recorded, irregardless of that, their brains and, and, and their gears are turning. Now they know there's something going on. Yeah. Um, and so I think it doesn't matter the interpretation as long as now they know that, that something's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think here as our culture starts to c- shift more and more in, in the project-based learning, kids are starting to, they get it when there's a launch now. Yeah. Um, they're starting to understand it. Um, but it, it piques their interest because now a lot of the question is what's going on why are we doing this and, mm-hmm. and where is this leading? And even if they don't, necessarily know it right away from the launch they know it's going to be addressed in the classroom as, mm-hmm. it, as it moves forward yeah. so from that that big launch you move into the class and so it, it's you don't have to go through a detailed itinerary of all your days because I, I know we'd be here um forever on that mm-hmm. but talk a little bit maybe so once the project gets going um some of the books that you were reading some of the things that they had to do um and then i guess you could probably also weave in there a little bit of why they were doing that i guess maybe talk a little bit about the final project that yeah. they were working towards yeah. that might help make sense for the for the listeners to understand then why they were reading and doing what they were doing. Yeah, um, I I kind of made it um, a two part project um, so that I could get everything in that I wanted to get in, especially the the novels, the guided reading. Um, but also, part one was semi like a warm up a little bit for part two. So um, with the driving, the big question being how does fear motivate us? Um, the first part of the project, which was like November, December, was um, the end, or the end, but the product we were doing with the novels was using fear appeal to promote their novel that they read in their group. So um, we had, you know, just like 
guided reading. When you set that up, you choose your novels, you right. check Lexiles. Um, I want to make sure they're high interest. Um, kids lose a love of reading at some point for whatever reason, and a lot of that's probably our fault in school um, with book reports and answer questions every chapter and that stuff. And um, I love that guided reading has a lot of possibility to not do that, not right. kind of murder the love of reading. But um, again, keeping with the fear theme and, you know, at the start of the year, I asked kids about their interests, their passions, what do they want to know about themselves in the world? And there were themes that came up and I kept that list and I strongly recommend everybody, no matter how many kids you have, get their input and find out what they're interested in. And there's a way to weave those into projects for sure. And the kids are really interested in, you know, zombies and dystopia and right. things like that. So this was perfect. Yeah. Um, I did um, three novels. I did Rotten Ruin. I wanted to go. I wanted to stick a zombie a little bit, um, but telling the kids often this isn't a zombie class. It's not a zombie project. Exactly. Um, so we did Rotten Ruin by Jonathan Mayberry, who's wonderful and like was very like willing to communicate a bit on Twitter, which is great. Um, Carrie Ryan's Forest of Hands and Teeth. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, the kids that the kids all of the books are high interest and had great feedback and the kids would go on and read the series and tweet the authors and it was a wonderful experience and then um for controversy it's hard to find a really high lexile novel i wanted to challenge them and this was quite controversial um but i did world war z by max brooks um because it's a challenge and those high kids i have really high readers they needed a challenge um making sure i got permission we did notes to parents and literally I had by the next day I gave them the permission slip they couldn't have the book till their parent knew what they were going to read I had 100% of them turned in the next day like awesome. every kid right. of in that with that book their parents were game the kids were game and it was awesome I mean to have a 100% turn in rate for something was great yeah um so we did those three novels and um just how I manage guided reading is a lot of you know I meet with the groups two or three times a week and when I'm not meeting with the group they have a reading schedule and, and daily reading, and I bring in a lot of extended learning. So um, the the World War Z kids were doing research online with um, pandemics and how viruses mutate. Um, they were doing a lot of geography because that novel's mm-hmm. all over the world. Yeah. It's kind of the story, if it, it like it really happened, right. here are the survivors. They did a lot of research and extra reading. They learned about moon fishing because in the story that's kind of where supposedly it started um the forest of hands and teeth kids did um you know they they did traditional reading stuff we did vocab and and we had great discussions and um you know thick and thin questions but then the extra stuff they in that novel there's a sisterhood that runs the community and they're very secretive so they learned about um secret societies and they Mm -hmm. were reading about like you know the illuminati and things like that just things to bring in extra like background about what they're reading and to make it still interesting and fun while we still did, you know, yeah. comprehension and those kinds of things. And, um, well, so yeah, I gotta say, I think it's really important what you bring in and to, to cut you off there. I apologize. No, please but, do. Uh, Cause I will uh, ramble forever. No, fine. This is terrible. Um, but it, with the project base, you have, you know, we, we said that we talk about your big launch and we talk about our exhibitions and our projects. And I think we have to remember too, that there's nothing wrong with, the you know the quote unquote traditional ways of teaching mm-hmm. you have to mix it yep. in you know and and for reading and understanding how to read and how to write there is that yeah those systems and so I think as as you bring it in there 
Um, I think a lot of times the misconception of project-based learning, you just get rid of all the ways you used to teach, and that's that's not the case. No. There's that there's that ebb and flow, that yep. kind of balance of bringing in those those opportunities mm-hmm. for the traditional. Because um, mm-hmm. I don't know what else other word to use. Hey, yeah. uh, but then you you know then you have those extra opportunities to go out yeah. and explore and tweet authors and do these other things mm-hmm. that help keep the kids hooked and interested yeah. in the in the stuff. Because to do anything of of one thing will backfire too. Yeah. If all we do is these these out of the box things all the time. Mm-hmm. And then it's not out of the box, and the kids don't, you know, they don't gravitate towards it. So yeah. I think um, if you talk about that, uh, I think that that's just a key piece for teachers is, is remember that it is that it's it's that ebb and flow. You mm-hmm. go back and you have the big launch and you have the cool stuff, and then you do have to have vocab yeah. and you do have to have thick and thin questions, yep. and you know, and then you can go out and do these things. So I yeah. think that's that that's really really important. So as the kids were reading here, um, let's talk a little bit. Um, as, as they're working, doing the research, and with all their novels and everything, what was their their final end, end product that they were working toward achieving? I know you had two parts, and yeah. maybe you're still if you need no, to jump in and add more to that. No, I keep me keep me going yeah. somewhere because I'll go wherever. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's talk about as you were preparing. In this case, this project was displayed for exhibition. I yes. correct that, was, yeah. and so um, I, I did get to see those, and they're they're pretty cool. So let's maybe mm-hmm. talk about that that end piece as the okay. kids are working towards all that. Um, mm-hmm. What was it that they were going to do to showcase their learning? Okay, so throughout all the guided reading, and um, we also were still doing, um, looking at what fear appeal is and how fear appeal has been used in advertising and in all sorts of industries. And so we kept going back to the like key components of fear appeal. You have a threat, something that makes people anxious or worried, and then ways to prevent it. You've got to provide solutions. And so to promote the novels and kind of keep connecting the reading um, and the literature with the project and the question they want they were to advertise promote their book so um, and this built again into the part two so they did um, trailers they did one minute trailers um, uh, that would promote their book um, you know, that's kind of a classic assignment at this right. point do a do a book right. trailer movie right. trailer um, of your book and they also made um, posters like movie posters of their novel and it had to be original photography although um, we had issues with that a little bit some were hesitant to use their own photography or were unsure so um, there was kind of this was a warm-up I think a little bit but you know using fear appeal get people to read your book this right. you're you love your book you're gonna you're gonna use this fear appeal we've been talking about to promote it so and then they had their videos they worked in groups they had their their posters and we our print shop is wonderful and they printed them all a nice big size for us and then the little added bonus was that we used layer um augmented augment reality um that program so that for exhibition um we wanted a way for people to see the trailers and see the posters and you know i geeked out on augmented reality in <laughs> at iTech in des moines this past fall and some of the stuff you were showing too so again getting out there and and learning and being curious um and the kids loved it they thought it was so cool that you could go up to their poster with your phone and scan it with this free app layer and their movie pulled up and they just died. So, you know, we got a YouTube channel and their videos, we uploaded them all. And some kids wanted me to do the layering and some kids tried it on their own. Um, and so by the second, and now we have kids layering on their own right. other things too. Like I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if birthday invites are layered yeah. at this point, but um, so, you know, just they'll, they'll bear with you and they'll try things if you, you know, you encourage and you're willing to say, I don't know all the answers. Let's try it together. And, you know, you said the traditional teaching, 
they'll they're they're good with that because you know it's right. it's give and take and we can do both and they appreciate both so um so yeah their posters turned out overall pretty beautiful and then their videos they were layered to that public on youtube so um I for sure want to do more with audience. Real world audience is an area I need to work on. Um, but, you know, the video production and the editing and all of the photography and the really tech heavy stuff we did then led into the second part of the project, too. And, you know, the kids really feel like they've learned a lot of great tools reading their reflection papers. They're surprised at what they've learned right. at the end. They didn't even realize they were learning, which is really cool to yeah, know. So yeah. I think that's always the, <laughs> the key factor in the end when they realize, oh, actually, I did, I did learn, learn something. something. That's you know, how yeah. ironic. And yes. at, at middle school level, uh, they never like to really admit that they learn much. You know, no. that's not the the cool thing. So, as, as, and I know I, I was able to be in a couple of the exhibition classrooms, and I did get to see the the kids how excited they were. They were pushing their laptops and iPads to everybody <laughs> in, in, in the classroom, make sure we got we got to see their posters. So I know that they were really excited with that. So when, when the project came to a close, and um, I guess to wrap up here, the whole journey from trying to find that seed and where you struggled personally mm-hmm. to come up with an idea all the way through to these augment reality um, movie posters mm-hmm. um, and really probably covering fear in a, in a multitude of ways even for kids to overcome their own fear to try something that they yep. haven't done before mm-hmm. um, and I think the key to that too is that they have you know a, a teacher that's that that's also that model learner I'm sure along the way um, just knowing you you're very upfront and honest and so the kids probably got to see and learn and and see you going through that same process yeah. of here I'm learning here's what I'm doing and as you said mm-hmm. you know I don't know the answer let's, let's figure it out so yes. I think that helps students as well to let them realize we don't have all the answers and therefore no. they don't need to have all the answers yeah. but as you look back on it um, what would be I guess to to bring some closure here to this is what would be some tips or advice you would have for, for teachers that are th- in the process of projects or maybe struggling? Mm-hmm. Um, and what were some things that you learned through that project, um, maybe the good and the bad, um, mm-hmm. as, as you look back and reflect upon it? Um, some things. Well, I will just say really quick, too, then part two we did um, using fear to raise an aware- raise awareness of an issue that mattered to the kids, and they got to choose their issue, a social um, a social issue. So we had a ton of public service campaigns, websites, mm. and again, tech heavy stuff. But um, I would say this is a struggle for a lot of teachers and people I talk to is, you know, you got to be willing to let the kids have some control and problem solve. I think we say all the time, they can't, they're not figuring this out. And why can't they, why can't they problem solve and come up with an answer? And I think that's because we jump in and help too much um and you can't abandon them and say figure it out on your own good luck bye um but they're so capable and you know um this really sold me on bring your own device and the kids would bring in um their ipads and their phones and share we would share apps um and who 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 did this website or who tried this um video editor and can you help so and so and um you know giving up a little bit of control a little bit of trust in the kids and and you know it's hard at first because it's new to them too um but in but in the end it's so worth it and they really you know we need problem solvers um you know, content or skills. And a lot of it, I think, is skills and getting them to become critical thinkers. Um, be patient with yourself. There's a million things I would change if I did it again or when I, if I do it again. Um, I think, you know, we expect ourselves to be perfect and know everything and and we don't and that's okay. And 
um, you know, I did this all in my classroom. I didn't, you know, collaborate other than getting help and input. I didn't, you know, this wasn't interdisciplinary. I didn't do this with the team um, for many reasons. I This was my first real project, and it was kind of my baby, and I wanted to make sure I, I did it justice. And um, it's hard. It's not easy. It's just it's not, and you have to be – you have to be kind to yourself and right. it's not going to go perfectly, but it's a living, it's a fluid living thing, a project and it. I'm okay with it going different places. I didn't expect it to go. And I think that's where learning happens. So if the kids pick up on something and suddenly it's taking a little bit of a different direction, it's okay to still have your end goals in mind and your, your learning targets and your, all of those enduring understandings, but it's okay to bring in some extra too. And it's going to take longer. Right. Uh, this was a 12 week project. I thought it would take six yep. and I was fine with that because you know, when you look at it, some people say, I'm not teaching anymore. With project-based learning, look at all the curriculum I won't do. Well, I think that's, I think that's untrue. I just right. think that's false. If you look at your learning targets, and it's a pro- you can use those, you can get them in, even if it's not the traditional way you've taught it for 10 years. Right. It's, it's, it's a shift. It's yep. a shift for us. And it, and it is academic and rigorous and project-based at the same time. So um, yeah, I'm not even sure what I just said. Yeah, the, the learning looks different. And yep. Um, and I'm good and, and that's me I'm game I right. dive in and, and that's you know not everybody so right I don't even know what I just said no, it was, <laughs> I do well, that well, all the time no. Mr. Mauer <laughs> well, oh. it was good you know and you, you said it, you thought it'd take six weeks and it ended up taking 12 weeks, 12 weeks. And, I, and all the project tuning they always tell every teacher the first tuning of their ideas whatever you, time you think it's going to have mm-hmm. double it yep. because that seems to be par for the course um because once they get going, you know, and I think it's it's interesting when you get in the middle of a project too. Um, several teachers have come back. They talk about all the work it takes to get the project up and running yeah. and, and the prep to get it going. Yes. And then once it's going, you almost get antsy again because the kids are almost in charge. And, they you know, are. you're not really that direct teaching. You know, it's little snippets yeah. here and there. And yeah. you're just kind of like, well, you know. <laughs> I should be doing something. And, you know, I think that's that's kind of where, you know, that that's where you're in that facilitation phase. Um, and it pays off for all that hard work. Oh, it's so invigorating, that, that moment where, you know, in the beginning you're like, I'm useless. Yeah. Hi, do you need me? But then it's right. amazing to see them pick it up and take off with it. So, Well, thank you so much for uh. um, giving up your prep period as – um, that was the bell there. Oh, um, what we'll do is I will have in the show notes information where you can contact um, Stephanie Cleveland here um, along with any links, and she's got some stuff that she's going to send my way so yes. you can learn more about the project. And feel free to reach out to myself or to her um, if you'd like to learn more about her project or project-based learning in general. And once again, thank you so much for taking your time. Thank you for putting up with me. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.